Welcome to the Development Policy Centre podcast. In this episode, Camilla Burcott interviews Dr. Lucicia Ditu, the Executive Secretary of the Stop TB Partnership. Hello, my name is Camilla Burcott. I'm a research officer at the Development Policy Centre, and I'm very pleased to be sitting down today with Dr. Lucicia Ditu, who is the Executive Secretary of the Stop TB Partnership. Um, welcome. Thank nice you very meeting much. you. Good morning. <laughs> um, perhaps to start, you could just give us sort of an overview of what the Stop TB Partnership is and, and what you do. Yeah. So um, Stop TB Partnership is a is a global partnership of, of more than a thousand three hundred partners, going from the big, you know, main partners like WHO, World Bank, Global Fund, towards communities and faith-based organization and people affected by TB organizations and as well researchers and technical partners and so on with a vision of ending TB in this world. And uh, we are governed by a uh, board and we are operated by a secretariat that is based in Geneva and uh, uh, currently hosted by uh, UNOPS and um, located in the same campus with the Global Fund, uh, uh, which is you know one of our main uh, partners in TB. Fantastic. Um, and uh, speaking of, of partnerships and funding, I'd like to talk a little bit about funding. Um, certainly earlier this year, DFAT announced some further funding for TB. Uh, I believe it was $10 million over three years per find for the uh, TB Alliance uh, for each of those organizations, um, primarily towards the development of new drugs and new diagnostics. Can you tell us a little bit about where the scientific research, what the current focus of research is and why that funding is so important? Yeah. So any funding going into research for TB is very crucial. We are, as Top TB Partnership, we are tracing and actually we are funding Treatment Action Group, uh, which is one of our partners in advocacy in measuring yearly the investments in research for TB. And tragically, I would say, even though it's now that we need more investments than ever, over the last two years, we observe uh, even a decline, not a stagnation. And while, while, I'm, while I'm saying that we need it more than ever is that in TB, we are still in, in limbo in terms of new tools. We are desperate to have a new vaccine. I don't think that we will be able to really end TB without having a vaccine. Uh, you know, investments need to be now if we want to catch up, but even like that, we I don't think that before 2024, 2025, we will have a vaccine. That's what we are looking at. In terms of drugs, I think it's a, the environment is a bit uh, more promising. And of course, there are different partners working on that. And one of them, obviously, is TB Alliance. What we are looking at is basically a shorter regimen and ideally a combination that is uh, really efficient on sensitive, but as well on drug-resistant TB. And uh, there are certain regimens that are now in the test testing phase and in the clinical uh, phase and trials and any you know support financially to get this through is extremely important. In terms of diagnostics as well, we still don't have the point of care. We still don't have the, the thing that will be really working in the field for people. Now, we need to be smart about investing in research and development. And we need to see that in the current world, you know, in 2015 beyond, what will trigger companies to enter into development new products? Uh, and and um, together with um, Stop TB Partnership, together with uh, MSF, uh, TB Alliance and the union, we are having all a conversation triggered by an idea of uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, MSF, on a, on a 3P uh, um, project, which is basically pushing uh, development of new molecules, pulling efforts of everyone, 
uh, of different developers together and then pushing and pulling uh, the rollout of this product in the field. So it's, a, it's an innovative way of looking at funding for research and development. So we hope that as this evolves a bit, we will be able to secure funding for this kind of system that is basically very important in research for TB. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I think in the global health space now, there are so many different partners, so many different financing streams and, and opportunities. Um, but I think, uh, if I understand, there's been some analysis recently that shows that the sort of overall global financing for TB is uh, not as healthy as it could be, yeah. shall we say. Um, yes. Could you tell us a little bit more yeah. about that? So, you know, um, actually, the you see in, in TB, uh, we are um, a bit of a mutant in terms of the way how the financing goes because we have, in terms of international funding for us, money comes from the global fund, a uh, bigger part of it. So 80% of the international financing in TB is, is global fund. Uh, there is a, a little bit coming from the U.S. government and basically kind of that's it. Uh, uh, and of course, in research, you have other type of funders, but I'm speaking here more about the implementing and implementation piece. Um, the other part, but, you know, even like that is not a, a huge amount uh, that is coming uh, over there. Global Fund is basically under the uh, previous replenishment investing around seven $650 million per year. That's the TB share. Mm. And that amount, which sounds a bit pathetic, represents 80% of the international. So you realize what we speak here. A lot of funding comes... You know, if you look at the numbers that are public, uh, published uh, from domestic investments, but even that piece is really needs to be unpacked because you can see that, okay, it's almost $6 billion from domestic, but then you have uh, middle-income countries or high-income countries such as Russia, with, such as Brazil, um, and, you know, China, and so that are putting their own funding over there. But when you look at the low-income countries and the low-middle-income countries, then you realize that actually their own budgets are covering very, very little from the TB programs. From the high-burden, low-income countries, as little as 5% of their budget, of their own budget, goes to TB. So it's heavily, heavily dependent on the global fund. Mm. Now, if there is no plan and properly done uh, of a gradual increase of this, uh, you know, and the global fund is uh, here to stay, and this global fund, uh, we need to have it fully replenished, but countries need to understand that even if you are a low-income country, you need to slowly start increasing your uh, investments into TB, as well as, you know, which goes hand-in-hand hand with your investments into health. So uh, we are a bit worried because you see there is this heavy dependency, as I said, on the global fund is not the same situation for the other diseases. For example, you know, as I said, HIV, the global fund funding is just 22% or something like this, which gives them in a way the freedom to have other pot sources of funding. PEPFAR is obviously one of them to look into countries of, you know, basically catalyzing the efforts of the global fund together. Malaria is, I think, is 50% is global fund, but they also benefit from PMI and other investments. Mm. In TB's global fund, so if is, is the way in which global fund is investing or nothing else. So we need, we have in Stop TV Partnership a platform which is called TB Rich that we are looking very much into replenishing because it's the innovative platform. You see, Global Fund cannot go and scale up things unless they know that it will function. Mm -hmm. So TB Rich is the platform in which we basically pre-test things that then Global Fund takes and scales up. So we are looking into hopefully being able to replenish this innovation platform that mm -hmm. we have. Mm -hmm. I think that's 
that's critical really to have that innovation meant to develop that evidence base is so important. Um, so I understand you've just come from a regional conference of the Union of Lung Disease Researchers that was held in Sydney. Um, coming out of that, what's, can you give us a sense of the big picture? What's the TB epidemic looking like in this region, in the Asia Pacific? Um, well, the, the situation is, uh, you see, I, would, I, I'm, I don't know if it's because I'm for some time in TB or it's a bit not very, uh, it's a bit depressing and in the same time you have uh, some hope. Depressing is that um, actually the numbers are not going down. And uh, uh, if anything, numbers are going up. Uh, you know, the number of uh, estimate, the number of estimated TB cases in the world is growing. Uh, the number of missed cases uh, is increasing. Um, the number of MDR TB cases undiagnosed and untreated is increasing. Uh, mortality by TB is increasing. So it's like, what's wrong with this woman? She tells all these things, but she says there is some hope. Well, the hope is that now we are able to know a bit better. So, you know, we have some of the countries from the regions that will come up uh, in the next uh, official report of WHO, very likely with an increased prevalence, but that's because they had the, they were wise uh, to do a prevalence survey that they will work and they will understand better that the numbers that they have are not any more estimates, but real figures. Mm. Uh, so we have now the data to know with what we fight. I was saying that it's like when you are in the dark, you think you are fighting with a little snake. So you prepare your guns to fight with the snake. You open the light and you see it's a huge Godzilla. So then you need different types of guns. But you had the smartness to open the light and to see what you have. So uh, the hope is on the fact that having better numbers, we are able to understand better what's going on. Uh, and I hope that the TB community, which was not very smart, I am sorry, and I'm part of that, so I can say it, uh, in prioritizing and really mapping where the disease is more important in what part of the countries, and try to at least ensure that there is treatment and prevention of infection tra and transmission in those parts. We try to do kind of everything everywhere. Money are not that much. If we have a huge burden that we didn't expect in the countries, we better try our best to map that and go after the places with the biggest numbers. So in the region here, um, I think there are uh, countries that will request a lot of attention. And we know very well that PNG, we know very well Cambodia, we know very well Indonesia, we know very well Vietnam, which are also part of the list of the focus countries or high burden countries uh, will require some support, uh, additional support in addressing their uh, TB uh, problem. Mm. And what's your impression as far as the level of political engagement or leadership on new issues in developing countries? I think we are getting there. That's another reason to be a bit hopeful is that you see, I, um, I'm i a medical doctor, but a lot of our conversations in TB happened with the medical doctors, which was good and researchers. That's awesome. But we are not we we were not able to reach the right level of decision makers of people that influence the policies and the funding in countries. Um, and now. Uh, we are very lucky to really try and change that very much. I have to say that in Stop TB, since I joined, uh, one of my main objectives was to really ensure that the political leaders are at the table. So ministers of health, ministers of finance, ministers of justice going beyond health. 
uh, and uh, also we 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 are very lucky that actually uh, you know we are we are having in conversation not only ministers of health we are reaching to others and uh, you know in Sydney happened something that I really uh, was very impressed because I didn't expect to happen so quickly um, there was um, uh, last year uh, in uh, in uh, late October so it's uh, actually ten months since then only um, there was launched a global TB caucus of uh, parliamentarians against TB, led by a parliamentarian from UK, Nick Herbert, and the uh, Minister of Health of South Africa, Motswaledi, who is the chair of our Stop TB Partnership Board. And that was launched in Barcelona. And since then, a lot of efforts were done under the leadership of the, our colleagues from Results Network. Uh, and uh, this region uh, is the first one to come with a, a regional uh, parliamentarian caucus uh, for TB. And that was launched yesterday. And I'm very hopeful because there were parliamentarians from a wide range of countries in the region, uh, pretty passionate. And I'm also very hopeful because we had the, this audience to be able to speak about TB. We usually discuss, you know, drugs and combinations and, you know, treatment regimens and diagnosis and sputums. And this time was you have politicians around the table who are keen to help. So I think there is some hope, but we need to get concrete beyond, mm. uh, beyond uh, this days. No, but that's great to hear that it, this caucus is now yeah. established, and I'm sure we'll be keen to hear more as they as it yeah. develops and goes forward. Um, I guess, sort of related to this, I wanted to just talk a little bit about um, the issue of stigma and and public advocacy, and this sort of goes hand in hand with what you've just been saying. Um, what's sort of the current thinking or strategy around um, combating stigma and raising public awareness? Um, you know, is there a need to reframe the conversation? Yeah. So, you see, this has some roots again in the fa in the way in which we dealt with TB. Because being so much medical, we really didn't have the people affected by TB at the table. Mm -hmm. And in our interventions were done in good faith, with good knowledge, by doctors or health workers, uh, but without necessarily having and still is not there. Our, our clients at the table to see how do, would you like to see this happening? How would we ensure that access for people that are from the vulnerable groups? How do we speak about gender and TB? How do we speak about human rights? How do we ensure that people are aware of their rights and so on? So that, those conversations were not that much happening. We push very hard to try to make this happen. We are still not there. We come from a far away, so we are catching uh, ground, but it's not enough. Um, we encourage very much uh, people affected by TB to be part of discussion. So as Stop TB Partnership, we actually uh, are support Global Fund in ensuring that communities are part of the country dialogues, development of concept notes, and grant development and implementation. So we took that chunk of work. We work with another group that is called Global Coalition of TB Activists, that is also a group of TB activists and affected people. And we will do some, we did two things that, one we did, one we will do. One, that what we did was we developed together with the NAIDS and Global Fund a gender assessment tool. First time ever we have a TB and TBHIV gender assessment tool. And the second is that we will do a meeting. We never had a meeting on key affected, uh, with key affected populations and as well with patients purely TB, MDRTB, XDRTB patients or survivors that we will do this autumn. 
to have them all together and to see what do they think about, I mean, we will select a group. I mean, we have 10 million people here with TV, so we will <laughs> just have a small portion, a very small portion of that, that we will have to discuss exactly about stigma and access and what it means. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I know you have a very busy schedule today in Canberra, so I'll let you go now, but I want to thank you again very much for sharing um, all this fantastic news and information with me and um, look forward to hearing more in the future. Thank you so much. And I think what you do is great because every single drop counts. And I think the more people hear about TB and the drama we go through with 4,000 people every day dying because of, the, because of this disease that is curable and is cheap to cure. I think this is so unfair that the more we can have people hearing about it, the better it is. So thank you for doing this. You have been listening to a podcast from the Development Policy Centre. For more information on our work, visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au. To join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific, and global development policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org. At the blog, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates or connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening.